I'm Philip McMath, the author of our play, Call Me Mara. I'm talking to Jane Dahlenberg, a musical historian who's a professor at the University of Central Arkansas. Jane, thank you for chatting with us today. It's nice to be here. Yeah, tell me about yourself, about your background and (laughs) what you did and how you got interested in music. Well, I, I started off actually as a pianist. Oh, and, did you? And my undergrad, yeah, I was sitting at the piano for 10 hours a day and then making a living as a pianist, as a teacher, a performer. What were you up, doing? Up in Connecticut, teaching, performing chamber music, mm-hmm. accompanying whoever needed to pay me for accompanying, giving concerts. and uh, Lifelong passion, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I started at four years old. Where are you from originally? <laughs> That's a complicated question. We don't, a, a lot of places. A lot of places. We moved a lot. Uh, you got a degree in, in Connecticut, I think. Yeah, I got a degree in piano performance uh, from the Hart School of Music. And just over the course of time, I just became I still interested in performing. I don't get to perform as much, but I just became interested in how music reflects societies, Mm -hmm. which is a perfect match for this project here, because uh, I just wanted to know the backstory about pieces that I was playing, about pieces that I was listening to on the radio. The history. At that time, this was in the 1980s, there were also a lot of, um, I'll talk politics. There were a lot of political currents going mm-hmm. around about mm-hmm. music censorship. That mm-hmm. was the, when the whole Parents Music Resource Center mm-hmm. got started, and uh, uh, there was censorship in the arts. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, nobody's going to listen to a, <laughs> a, just a, a, a piano player talking about these <laughs> things. So... Maybe I need to go back to school and uh, see if I can find out some more things about, first of all, music and society, but also yeah. try to figure out, you know, uh, is censorship in music a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And uh, that's also a big passion of mine, is what's allowed on the radio and what's not. And yeah. that's also comes up in our discussion here, I think. Could you tell me what is music? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard a good definition. No. What's the uh, difference between music and noise? (laughs) uh, Well, one of the big 20th century definitions is just organized sound. Organized sound. Organized. That's the best we can do, I guess. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Lots of different. (laughs) I um, love music, but but I can't define it. Yeah. It's indefinable. It's ineffable, isn't it, really? You got degrees in music from where? Uh, in music history from the University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, a master's and a PhD in mm-hmm. musicology, historical musicology. You have a particular area of interest in music. Uh, I started with uh, I started with music of Russia and the Soviet Union, really? which is a whole big thing. You speak Russian? Uh-huh. I used to a lot, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then I got interested in, you're going to just, uh, this goes all over the place. I got interested in sacred music of the Renaissance because mm-hmm. that, again, the societal things that are going on, mm-hmm. you, you can't 
look at that music without no, knowing what's going on mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church. And, mm-hmm. um, so got interested in that. And then my interest in, my interest in jazz actually began about six or seven years ago. And I started going down to New Orleans every summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have what is known as a traditional jazz camp mm-hmm. for grown-ups. <laughs> and we go down there for a week, and I usually stay a little bit longer. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and the people down there, we range in age from 16 to 92, mm-hmm. and we just go down and play traditional New Orleans jazz. Mm-hmm. And You play jazz, of course. Uh, I'm not very well, but I, <laughs> I try, yes. Yeah, I think you teach at the University of Central Arkansas. Yeah, but I teach history. Uh, history of music. Yeah. You're a professor there. Mm-hmm. Okay. What courses do you teach? Well, Philip, I sort of have a corner on the market <laughs> <laughs> in our music building. They've uh, got a great music department, by the it way. It is. It is. But uh, I am the only music history professor. Mm-hmm. So I teach everything from Gregorian chant to Kanye. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just... I teach traditional European music history, mm-hmm. but I also teach courses in rock music. Mm-hmm. I teach jazz history. Uh, Your students must love that. Uh, when they get a chance to mm-hmm. take it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the jazz and rock courses, those are open to all students. I'd They're, love to take it. <laughs> oh, it it's a fun class. <laughs> I'd it love is to. a fun class. I envy your students. Well, and the students, I learn a lot more from them because I, I sort of, I, I lied about Kanye. I don't know much about him. But um, my knowledge of music pretty much stops in about 1990 or so. Mm. And I rely on them to fill me in on mm. what's happened since yeah. then. So. I understand. You can't know everything. Right. Well, Tim, what is rock and roll? Oh, How is it different from other music? Okay. I know that's, Well, and again, these, these are... <laughs> these lab- definitions are impossible. No, no, the labels <laughs> are impossible. Uh, 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 was it Louis Armstrong said, if you have to ask what jazz is, you'll never understand? Well, or and actually, Louis Armstrong <laughs> didn't even like the term jazz. Oh, really? He did not like um, that term for what his is jazz? style of music. Again, uh, it depends on what decade you're in. Uh-huh. The decade of the 30s and 40s, we're talking mainly about swing. Yeah. Uh, which, well, let's talk about that. What is What was jazz like in the 30s, our period of our play, of course, is in the early 40s. So right. they would have been influenced by the 30s and early 40s. Right. What was jazz like in those days? All right. Uh, first of all, a lot of dancing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so dance music is huge in the 30s and 40s. What Especially, dance? What dance? I'm sorry. Uh, they would do things like the Lindy Hop. They would mm-hmm. do Foxtrots. They would do, um, oh, Jitterbug. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the, I, I, it's even hard to generalize this way, but a lot of the music of the late, four, late 30s through the 40s, was big band music, mm-hmm. so you'd have larger ensembles mm-hmm. playing the music. Uh, a lot of times they were called orchestras, even yeah, though they orchestra. were, even though there weren't a lot of violins hanging around. Sometimes mm-hmm. there were, but at that point it was mainly you know brass reeds, mm-hmm. 
rhythm sections. What were some of the big orchestras in this period? Well, uh, Benny Goodman. Benny Goodman was great. Um, let's see, Glenn, Mil- Glenn, Glenn Miller's Mil- orchestra, mm-hmm. and I heard you talking. I don't know if you were aware of this, but Glenn Miller uh, was actually on a tour mm-hmm. of the troops in Europe, and his plane was shot down. Shot down, yeah. And that's how he and his orchestra. A good number of his orchestra members perished. Were killed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the interesting things during World War II is because a lot of the men, even the musicians, were out drafted, um, women's orchestras mm-hmm. came along and took over some for some of the gigs yeah. that men had had. I don't know if you know that movie, A League of Their Own, when they developed the mm-hmm. baseball teams for women. Yeah. Well, a I lot saw, of the yeah. – uh, there were also women orchestras because a lot of men, men were, were gone. What impact did the war have on jazz and music? Well, <laughs> I, I, I don't um, – there are a couple of things. First of all, I said, all right, there were women orchestras. Another thing that happened is that because a lot of the men were gone, instead of hi- uh, dance halls hiring live musicians, they would have jukeboxes mm-hmm. and radios, and mm-hmm. which was unfortunate, but people wanted to dance. And yeah. so if you couldn't find an orchestra, you plugged in a jukebox and played played the music that way. And that was kind of a revolution, the jukebox one in the... Mm, yeah, in the starting in the thirties. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the records were the seventy eights. Right, uh, right. Phonograph LP. records. Yeah. I, when I grew up, my parents had some seventy eights. Yeah. They used to dance to that World War Two music. Yeah. My dad, they were the World War Two generation. Yeah. I have some. And then we got the thirty threes, and I got a whole collection. Of them. Right. Now it's hard to find players to actually play the seventy eight yeah. records now. Yeah. Um. Turntables are coming back for mm-hmm. LP records, but not yeah, for 78s. Yeah, someone told me the LPs are coming back. Oh, yeah. Oh, Why yeah. is that? Uh, for me, I never gave them up. I <laughs> never gave them up either. I've got a whole collection. I love them. Yeah, but I know a lot of the newer artists are actually record, uh, releasing LPs now. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk Let's take talk about the jazz for a minute. Um Let's take uh, the song "All My Life" mm-hmm. uh, by Ella Fitzgerald. And, right. Uh, would Ella Fitzgerald "All My Life" be something that all Americans would listen to, and not just one group? Or... Uh, yeah. All right. Um, interesting. We, we, was it popular? In other yeah. Words? Uh, Ella Fitzgerald was popular. Mm-hmm. Many African American artists were not. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, the uh, rate uh, the major radio stations would not play a lot of music by African Americans yeah. in the 30s and mm-hmm. 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of musicians, black musicians, were recorded in the actually as back far back as the 20s, 30s, and 40s, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> Excuse me. You could only buy their records in African American neighborhoods. Yeah. Now there were some exceptions, like Ella Fitzgerald, she who was, was very popular. Uh, she performed with both white orchestras and black musicians, 
and she attained this crossover. She's kind of, a crossover. Yeah, right. Another person, Mildred Bailey. Mildred who was, Bailey, love her, come back to yeah, the song. Yeah, yeah. And she was actually Native American, and you just told me she just died a few years ago? Is no, that, that's Vera Lynn. Oh, that was Vera. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, wrong person. <laughs> All right, but Mildred Bailey, uh, yeah, she performed with a lot of white orchestras. Yeah. Um. So the Lover Come Back song would be something. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And another thing about these songs, Philip, is that uh, nowadays, if somebody writes a song and records a song, they own that song. Yeah. Back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, when the music business was just getting started, not just getting started, but during that time, once a piece of music was published, Anybody could record it. Yeah. So a song like We Will Meet Again mm-hmm. or like uh, All My Life, mm-hmm. you can find hundreds of recordings. Hundreds of by, them. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but by, by various mm-hmm. artists. Mm-hmm. Same so thing. So everyone could do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was no, it, it wasn't a legal issue or anything like I that. I see, yeah. Uh, how about just music that was specific to the war, like <clears throat> We Will Meet Again, yeah. uh, you know, Benny Goodman and Vera Lynn. We mentioned Vera Lynn. That's right. very popular. How did that, imp- how uh, did that develop? Well, the- a, a lot of the ballads, the mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, there's been songwriting in the United States since 19, the turn of the century, since around 1900 or so. And again, the songs, they were written, sometimes they were almost like a factory. I don't know if you've mm. heard the term Tin Pan Alley. Yeah, I've heard the term. But this is Not just, sure I understand what it's it is. It's an area in New York City where there would just be buildings mm-hmm. filled with composers mm-hmm. and lyricists, and they'd uh-huh. work together or separately. Ira, um, George and Ira Gershwin oh, part yeah. of that. And they would crank out these songs, sell them to whoever wanted to sing them mm-hmm. or sell the sheet music. A lot of the music ended up going to Broadway. Yeah. Later on, after, you know, talking movies, a lot of that music ended up in movies. Mm-hmm. I am not sure if any of these songs were in movies. I probably mm-hmm. should have researched mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But... Songs like We Will Meet Again and During the War, there were movies about separation mm-hmm. and love and long-distance relationships. There were Constant lots of songs. Constant theme of the war was separation. Yeah, yeah. And maybe one of the most famous, I was joking to you about this, but I'll Be Home for Christmas be- was top of the charts for at least two years in a row. I'll Be Home for Christmas. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so... We will meet again. Is we will meet again is the same theme of the war, of thing. separation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Vera Lynn lived to be 103, and yeah. she died recently. I, I, yeah, it's you amazing, told me that, it? and I, I just I did not know that. So. And she's uh, she and Benny Goodman made the uh, made that f- same famous, didn't they? We will meet again. Yeah. Yeah. So how did the how did the the war and the music that developed from it affect music in the future? Well, 
What did it do that, that well, uh, changed uh, musical history uh, in this right. country? Um, first of all, okay, defining jazz, mm -hmm. defining rock and roll, these are difficult terms. Difficult to, terms. Okay, but until World War II, into the middle of World War II and right after World War II, jazz was the popular music, mm -hmm. whether it was swing mm -hmm. or, you know. Um, but nowadays, jazz is seen as sort of this esoteric, mm -hmm. it's got a small yeah. base of Corner people. over here. Uh, 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 okay. Uh, there you got progressive some... jazz, right, you got right, right, jazz right, right. After World War II, and again, this has some things to do with economics. Mm -hmm. It has some things to do with race. Mm -hmm. uh, it has some things to do with this new invention called the teenager. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, 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 it sounds a little bit strange, but certain types of jazz start morphing into what we now know as rock and roll music. Yeah. Rock and roll was a spinoff for a child of jazz, uh, uh, I guess. Is that a, fair? In a way, yeah. yeah. Another thing that happens just because of economics, towards the end of World War II and after World War II, it doesn't make a lot of economic sense to take a 20-man band mm -hmm. on the road in a bus anymore. Mm -hmm. So... Even jazz gets smaller. I see. And so you have smaller combinations. You have more intimate settings for jazz mm -hmm. instead of a big dance hall mm -hmm. or music hall. A uh, lot of music just goes into little bars. And mm -hmm. so jazz turns into one type of jazz turns into bebop. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which, again, is another splintery off. Bebop is on the road to rock and roll, isn't it? Uh, no. I, would say, I would say no. <laughs> okay. I would say no. Uh, there are, you can trace some rock and roll. I don't know if you know of our favorite Arkansas son, Louis Jordan. I don't know him. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, he is one of these artists in the 30s, into the 40s, he does cross over. He was African American, but his style of jazz is sort of sped up swing dance music, and a lot of times it has a boogie woogie bass. Yeah, that's boogie woogie. And I can't define that, but uh, I know uh, when uh, I hear all it. Right, okay, all right. <laughs> and I could never for, tell you what that is. Excuse me for singing on a it, podcast. No, no, now. that was great. <laughs> Keep doing it. No, 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 no. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, some people say that Louis Jordan is sort of, is the direct. He's like the link between swing and rock and roll. Yeah, I see. Uh, and if you don't know his music, I, well, I do now. I yeah, just... ch uh, no, check it out, and it's also very funny. Oh, is it? Is he, it? it has some, shall we say, suggestive lyrics sometimes, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it, it sometimes it goes beyond suggestion. Yeah, I see. So... <laughs> yeah, 
Well, what what's the difference between jazz and blues? Uh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Again, I know the difference when I hear it, but I think well, I do. All right. Oh, you're putting me on the spot, Philip. Uh, these are things that, again, in when I teach a jazz history course. There's blues and jazz, but no jazz and blues. Oh, oh yeah. No at, <laughs> no, at the beginning of the semester, actually in both the jazz and the rock courses that I teach, I ask students what their definition is mm-hmm. of jazz. And I save their definitions and at the end of the semester, I come back with their definitions, and I say, now, what's your definition of jazz? And they say, there isn't one. There isn't one. There is not one definition. Yeah. Blues. <laughs> Let me see if I can. That was a fastball. <laughs> well, I, if, yeah. <laughs> no, blues can be either a style all right, we're singing about sad stuff, uh-huh. and by singing about sad stuff, it makes Thematic. us it it makes us feel happier. Mm-hmm. Blues can also be a form in mm-hmm. music with specific chords. Like there's a 12-bar blues that is very regulated. You've got 12 bars. You do these mm-hmm. three chords in this order. Uh, <clears throat> blues, though, can also be there's delta blues, which mm-hmm. is one guy and a guitar singing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes his guitar is, you know... There's also urban blues, which can be a little bit smokier and hotter and more Mm -hmm. suggestive. Uh, Blues continues, for example, Duke Ellington. um, I'm working on a tune of his for um, New Orleans Mm -hmm. in a couple of weeks. And Duke Ellington, a lot of his songs are, or a lot of his charts, his tunes, are based on blues progression, mm-hmm. and it's just bigger orchestra. And he was big band, though, wasn't he, Duke? Duke Ellington was big band, definitely. And you've explained how the big band kind of disappeared. I wondered how that happened. Well, again, it had to do with some economics, I as I talked about. There are, nowadays, there are big band ensembles. Most universities, UCA has a big band ensemble. Mm-hmm. There are... Uh, th- Oh, I'm I'm forgetting the name of these, but there are big bands that actually try to recreate a Duke Ellington performance. Yeah, they all sound a Benny Goodman performance. Yeah, like the during the war. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How did the music express the jazz and the war music express America during the war? How could you could you? <sighs> what was it? It said about America during the war. Well, again, a lot of the popular songs um, just talk about love and separation. Love and separation. The big band music, the swing music, I don't know. uh, uh, Part of it is just escapism. Mm -hmm. Um, People wanted to dance, and everybody was dancing, and that was just part of the entertainment. Uh I, 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 that's probably the best answer that I they have. They seem more interested in dancing then than now, it seems. Uh, some people are still interested in dancing. Yeah. I but mean, we yeah, still, but I still dance. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was almost a craze, the jitterbug and all those dances you've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During the 40s, wasn't it? Yeah. All this energy. And, 
intensity of mm -hmm. the experience of the war. Thank you. You're welcome.